Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. My name is Rebecca Kelly, and you're listening to the Everywhere We Go podcast. On this week's episode, I sit down with Kizzy. I have known Kizzy for a long time, but COVID has made it difficult for us to keep in touch. When I noticed Kizzy share something about Mother's Day, I reached out to see what was going on. Kizzy tells me that her lovely mom Ev has been diagnosed with dementia. How her and her sisters had started to notice Ev's normal behaviour change and how this devastating diagnosis has triggered a range of emotions for the family, including why my mom. At just 35 years of age, Kizzy feels that she has been robbed of her mammy. In a time she should be spoiling her, bringing her off and just enjoying her time with her mammy. Kizzy tells me about the help her mum and dad receive and the later life programme in Kilkenny. I truly want to thank Kizzy for her time this week of all weeks. With Virgin Media launching their Donate for Dementia Week, there are currently 64,000 people living with dementia in Ireland. If Kizzy's stories helps just one of those families, we know we have done well. Kizzy, your strength and love knows no bounds. You will be forever in my thoughts and Ev in my prayers. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where do you come from? My name is Kizzy and I come from Kilkenny. Kizzy, it's so lovely to see your face. It's been so long since I've seen you. It's ridiculous. I know we miss seeing you guys and being in the office and having the fun and yeah. And strange. When you see, started to follow me and seeing me doing the podcast and then you were telling me about your mom. So do you want to yeah. tell me um, about your mom? So my mom's name is Ev and she's deadly. She's just the best crack. She always, uh, she's always made friends wherever she went. Life and soul at the party, loved a session. She'd be in the middle of everything. Um, always kind hearted, generous to people. You know, just one of these people that really, like when I was younger, I used to hate going into town with her because you couldn't get up the high street in two hours. She'd be meeting people, talking to them, catching up. She kind of just draws people to her. She's that kind of personality. Um, so yeah, that's Ev. Uh, I'm the youngest of six. So herself and daddy were busy. Um, they had uh, three close together, a little bit of a gap, had the twins, and then I arrived 10 years later. So um, the twins refer to me as an accident or a mistake. <laughs> but um, I would say I'm the favourite child. <laughs> Being the youngest, you would be. Oh yeah, petted on and spiled, they would say. But yeah, that's I like I got all the attention, I suppose. The other five were much older than me. So um they were kind of half rares when I came along as well. But yeah. What was it like growing up for the of you? 
was fun. But do you know what? The funny thing about it is six of us were now never under the same roof together until five years ago. Um, we, my oldest brother moved out when he was young enough. He moved across to my nanny and granddad lived across the road um, from our house and he moved in with them to help take care of them. Nanny had been sick for years. Um, she'd had a number of strokes and whatever. So yeah, the six of us had never lived under the one roof. Um, we went away together just five years ago. I was 30, my dad was 70 and the twins were 40. So, um, that was the first time we all stayed away somewhere together or under one roof. Yeah. Oh yeah, my so God. What did you do for that? We went down to Exford for the weekend. Um, all of some of my nieces and nephews came. All of my siblings were there. My mom and dad. We had millions of birthday cakes, had a few drinks, dinners out and stuff. It was just lovely. Really relaxed. It was fab. And then tell me about your mom as you're growing up then. Um, so mommy was a softie. I can't say she I was ever really mad at me. Um, I think she used up all of her like discipline and mammyishness um when the rest of the lads were younger. So uh, I definitely got softer treatment anyway, but no, and Mammy would never really get mad. Um always on the go. Mammy, since she was a child, was out playing sports, um, loved being outdoors. She would have been a bit of a tomboy growing up and played soccer with the chaps and um yeah, so yeah, she was always on the go um, and famously was not into the kind of girlier things like sewing or knitting or baking or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, she's always just been a good friend as well. You know, um, I had my unruly couple of years as a teenager and um, I think you grow up a bit then once you hit kind of 18, 19. Um, and then after having my daughter, Gemma, I remember coming back to her and saying, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, um, I really appreciated more um, just how good of a childhood I had. And um, like, I have never heard a bad word between my mom and dad. They might have had the odd little disagreement or whatever, but the house was always calm and there was never falls out or anything like that. So um, I really appreciated kind of growing up, having that nice home and um that it was always happiness you know and nothing was ever a bother if something was wrong you know you talk about it but then we'd move on we'd get over it we'd handle it together like and there is definitely a serious unity in the family as well we'll be very close um and I think all that's down to mom and dad as well in the rare and they gave you yeah 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 um like with six of us you have different personalities um but we all love like a little bit of a sneer or whatever. There's always crack. There's always laughing. Um, yeah. And that's probably like my biggest takeaway from my childhood would be the memory of like getting together and everybody always enjoys everybody's company. And there's a bit of slagging and catching up and chatting and whatever. Um, yeah, I suppose I'm lucky. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. How many grandchildren has you got? Um, 15 we, um, my brothers is the youngest Aiden is uh, just gone one and then the eldest Philip is only two years younger than me so he's turning 32 this year so he was more like my brother really when we were growing up because he was so much closer in age to me we always um, palled around together and still even now I kind of count him nearly more as a sibling than as a nephew um, 
But yeah, no, and it's nice. You have that closeness as well. Um, all the grandkids are great. They love coming to see nanny and granddad. And it's one of those homes, like, you know, the way you say mammy says no, so I'll go to grandma. You know, mammy would have the box of chocolates and the sweets and selection boxes and bags of tables and fizzy drinks um, and just loved spoiling all the kids as well. And then, like, at what age did you start to see a difference in her? So about five years ago, we started noticing bits and bobs that were kind of um, out of the ordinary. I suppose anybody can go to the shops and forget their purse, but this was becoming more regular. And it was little things like that. She'd go to the credit union and forget the book to make lodgements. She'd um, maybe couldn't find the car keys for a couple of days, things like that. Um, they ran their own business for the last 30 something odd years from home. Um, and it became apparent after a little while that she was starting to struggle with the book making, bookkeeping. Um, things like that were going a little bit astray. Um, I suppose the first real indicator, it nothing said dementia to us in the start. Um, the first real indicator was she was out for a spin one day and her eyesight went uh, pretty much 50% in her in her left eye. Um, so she kind of refused to go to the doctor, refused to go to the hospital, but it happened again and there was a lot of confusion. Um, she couldn't think of the words for the oven. She was trying to ask my sister for about half an hour, did she want dinner? But she couldn't get the words out. Um, and both of my sisters would have a background in uh, healthcare um, as carers or assist, uh, healthcare assistants. So the girls were worried and did make her go to her own doctor. And it turns out she'd had a couple of mini strokes, TIAs. Um, and that was kind of how it was first presenting and tied in then with those other little symptoms like uh, forgetfulness and losing things and whatever. Um, we started chatting amongst us, us three girls in the family. There's three boys, three girls. We started chatting about all these things. Um, and I think we all kind of had individually come to the realisation there was something more going on in the background. Um, so... Those little symptoms were going on for about a year and this time four years ago, my sisters went in and had a chat with Mam's GP just about the things that were niggling at us. What were the things that were niggling at you? Well, the things were, everything was getting a little bit worse. So like Mam has always been amazing at, at doing maths in her head. It would, she'd have it done quicker than you'd have it done on a calculator. Um she couldn't make up bills and she couldn't make up change for people in the store. Um, I think that was the, the first kind of thing. And I remember the milk lady calling one day. She used to call on a Saturday for her um, with her invite. Um, and mom handed her the whole lot of their cash flows. And she said, you work way out of that. Do you know, and it was just so out of the realm of normality like when would you ever hand a till to somebody and say you work away now thank god um our milk lady's a pet um and she spoke to us separately and kind of said you know i'm a little bit worried that was so out of the norm um so yeah i think that was the the big thing because mommy would have always been so on ball with money and with calculations and stuff like that was your dad noticing it because he was working so close with her or I suppose dad being closer to retirement and being so well-minded by mammy over the years, daddy had kind of stood back a little bit. Um, and 
Yeah, he would have noticed little bits and bobs. Like if she said she was going to Thomastown to get her shopping, she could have ended up going to Venice Bridge. So he was kind of remarking to us quietly, you know, it's a bit out of form or it's a bit out of sort or whatever. But then I suppose he was kind of scared. If you say it, you have to, it's real, you know, and you have to, you have to do more digging. And sometimes you don't always like what you find out then as well. Um so yeah, so it was myself and my two sisters more so that chatted about it and um, uh, the two eldest girls went in and had a chat with Mammy's GP and she kind of set the ball rolling to get a couple of tests and stuff done for Mam. Um, my sister had worked in the local uh, nursing home and convalescent home. So she had um, a couple of people that she'd been kind of inquiring with as well um, who work in the dementia side of things. Um, and yeah, everything was kind of ticking boxes. So we had a fair idea. Mum um, went down and had um, like a memory test um, and initially scored fairly well, but then subsequently um, the scores would have dropped. Um, so like they do a little memory tests or whatever, they might give you three items um, and in maybe 10 minutes time, we'll go back and ask you to name the three again. So um, she might get one, she might get all three, depending on how good she was on that day. And Kizzy, um, did you um, did you and your sisters explain this to your mom that she was going in for these tests or how did that work? Yeah, we kind of had a little chat and just said to her like that her doctor would feel happier if mommy had a couple of these tests done. Um, I suppose we didn't have a big kind of conversation about where this was going possibly. Um, were you putting it down to the stroke? Yeah, yeah, that it could be all kind of little side effects from the mini strokes. Maybe that's what it was. Nobody really wanted to look at the at the words dementia. Nobody really wanted to take that in as being a possibility. Um, so yeah, then after a little while, uh, Mam ended up in hospital with um, an obstruction to her bowel. She would have had bowel issues over the years. Um, Probably 25, 30 years ago, she had keyhole surgery and unfortunately they perforated her bowel during the surgery. So mommy at this stage of her life probably would have suffered with her bowel anyway. Um, but it just seemed to be a really big issue. She got like an obstruction and ended up delirious. Um, so there was blue dogs. There was people fighting in the army outside the hospital window. Um, everything was kind of scary. A lot of hallucinations. Um so we had a chat with the um, psychiatrist in the hospital then and they spoke to us about dementia more and put a name to it. Um, they said, your mom has Louis body dementia. Um, so didn't really know much about it. Like we had all kind of knew a little bit about dementia. My sister was more so than me, but, you know, we were on Google and trying to find out all the facts and whatever. Um, Louis body is a funny one. Most dementias can't be properly diagnosed while the person is still alive it's only afterwards in like post-mortem um because there's like 70 different types and a lot of them have overlapping symptoms but with Louis body the big thing is you get hallucinations um yeah so that's what made them pinpoint that it was Louis body um so what we were seeing when mommy was sick with her bowel was like a delirium it was like her dementia going from mild to severe for a couple of days until they got that back under under control like can often happen when an older person has an infection you know they get a little bit of delirium or a bit of manicness or whatever but um yeah so that's when they confirmed what type of dementia it was so her doctor had said 
previously, you know, it is definitely the start of dementia. Um, but kind of sent us on our way at that stage because, you know, there's nothing really to be done for it. Um, she was fine. She was still able to drive. She was still um, doing deliveries for their business and stuff like that. Yet, yeah, like initially, there wasn't really a bother on her. I never felt that she was at risk, um, you know, driving or being out and about. Uh, she's very capable. She was cooking dinners as usual, doing whatever housework and bits and bobs. Um, it was only like a mild forgetfulness in the start. Um, and then two years ago, she ended up in hospital. And that's when they said, this is Louis body dementia. Um, so we looked into it a bit more. It's actually what Robin Williams would have had. Okay. Um, yeah. It's not, no dementia is nice, but this one has a lot of adverse symptoms and side effects. Um, it can do all kinds of crazy things. It can affect your uh, your bowel. It can tell your bowel, you know, to work as normal. And then all of a sudden it'll tell it to stop working for a couple of weeks. So you get obstructions, you get constipation, not just like, and that sends everything else out the window as well. Um, you then have a, an illness to treat on top of a disease. So, yeah, it just it makes life a lot harder. Um, in the last while, then, we would have seen Mammy's dementia progress a bit. Um, the hallucinations would have become kind of more common. But for the most part, what she was seeing were quite realistic things like a dog, you know, in the corner of the room. Or um, she was seeing her brother who was uh, passed away uh, seven years ago. Um, little things like that, you know. Uh, but then she tell you, I know it's not real. Um, I know what I'm seeing isn't really there. Um, Kizzy, can I ask you what it was like for you guys and your dad in the initial stages of seeing these, of her seeing these hallucinations, having, having these hallucinations? Okay, so in the start, um, we didn't know how to handle it. We didn't have the words. We didn't have um, the knowledge of how to communicate with somebody with dementia. So we'd say, no, ma'am, they're not there or um, that's not real or well, you know that couldn't possibly happen. But now since then, we've learned that that's you, you go along with it. You agree. Um, you can reassure somebody that they're not in danger. But with dementia, you're generally better off not adding to the confusion and just going with the flow. Um, some days were tough, Rebecca. I got really, really good at heading off into the porch for a little cry um, and kind of taking a deep breath. And then I'd go back in and I'd be able to face things again. And it could be something small like um, Mammy not remembering my name. And I know there's six of us and it's easy to get confused. But it was little things like that. Um, when I knew it wasn't just... Oh God, there's sixty. Which one is in front of me now? I knew it was. I actually can't think of your name right now. Um, and then things have become quite repetitive. So I suppose like we chat a few times every day, um, and you notice that she was losing more details and things like that. Um, you'd have to go over things an awful lot. One thing that was big for Mammy when she was in her kind of mild to moderate stage was that. Um, she would fixate on things. So if she had an appointment tomorrow and the doctor's at 10 o'clock, she could be up at five o'clock getting ready to go, trying to wake up daddy, getting him up and out. And, um, you know, you could explain, you know, it's, it's not for another six hours. Come on, go back to bed. We'll have a rest. Um, but 20 minutes later, mom would be up again. Um, I suppose it's that 
that kind of halfway, that step between um, being consumed by dementia and not, that she knew she had to be ready for something. Um, so she was extra alert and was afraid she'd miss something or do something wrong. Um, the conscious le- levels stayed with mom for a long, long time um, until she took her, her step to severe. Um, so I think that's why she kind of fixated on things as well. Um, yeah, that was hard. That was really hard because like you, this is a grown woman. She's lived a full life. She's 70 years old. It's not my place to tell her what to do or um and I think I've always tried to take a really patient and gentle approach with her and make her feel that she's not wrong when she gets something wrong, when she does something wrong, that it's actually not wrong. It's okay, you know, and that she's not afraid that she's making mistakes or she doesn't feel that she's in the wrong. I think that was a big thing for me as well. But like that, some days you're in a better headspace to deal with it and other days you just fall to pieces every couple of minutes. Um, My sister lives um, just behind my mum and dad's house. They built up behind there and I used to run up often (laughs) in tears and we'd have a little cry session together when something would be overwhelming. Um. Yeah, so I'm so glad like that I have Anne is brilliant. Like we get each other, we're on the same wavelength. Um, I don't think I'd have coped so well if I didn't have somebody that was there with me, saw everything, understood, got the frustrations, got the sadness, was feeling it all firsthand. I think it was good that we bounced off each other then as well. And so she was still at home and then things start to get progressively worse or how does it work? They were starting to progress. Mammy's progression has had been pretty slow until last August. Um, she had another obstruction in the bowel. Um, my sisters had brought her into accident and emergency. We had gotten away for two nights for a little lockdown break, myself and my husband, <laughs> and um, had arrived a couple of hours and my sister rang and she said, look, mom has to go into hospital. So I said, right, we're coming home. And... Um, they just kind of looked mommy over and they let her back out. They said, yeah, you know, she has the, the bowel obstruction and they uh, prescribed the usual, uh, like, Movacol or whatever um, and let her home. But she wasn't really herself. So um, I had said, I said to my husband, I said, look, I'm off for the week anyway. I'm going to stay in mom and dad's. Daddy wasn't really able to manage. He didn't know um, how to kind of cope with it if, if she was pacing an awful lot and um, that's the thing with dementia as well you do a lot of pottering um, so mammy could spend the day walking around the house um, and daddy be trying to follow her around to make sure she was okay and wasn't getting into any harm or whatever um, but it had taken a long time even to progress to that like for a long time her symptoms were really mild um, so yeah no it, it didn't really take a big jump until August Um mum came home anyway that evening from Annie and I think we lasted three days Rebecca and we had to bring mum back into hospital we couldn't um, we were in tears we were like zombies mummy hadn't slept in going into four days and um, my dad couldn't cope I couldn't cope Anne couldn't cope she was getting really manic um, she couldn't sit down for a second um, she was gone really pale she was fussing and fidgeting which were symptoms that she had but they were much more exacerbated so um 
we said, no, there's something big wrong in wrong here going on in the background. So we brought her in um, back into the hospital, into A&E, and they admitted her. It turned out, and this is the thing with Lewy body dementia, there are so many different medications for dementia. Lewy body, there's only a couple that will work, and they tend to work for maybe six months, and then one day, no, that's it, your body is like rejecting it, turns kind of toxic. And that's what had happened with mom. There's a tablet called uh, quetiapine, um, which would help with the, it's like an antipsychotic. So it would help her with her hallucinations and would also help her with sleeping as well, because that was starting to become more of a problem. Um, so what quetiapine had done has uh, turned to- it had turned toxic in her system and it sent her heart rate soaring. It's called a long QT syndrome. Um it accounts for some sudden adult deaths as well. Um, you know, when you would have heard of younger men playing sports or GA and all of a sudden they get a massive heart attack yeah. out of nowhere, they were fit and healthy men. It was that kind of, it, it can cause that kind of thing. Um, so we found a really good doctor in A&E. He was really clued into dementia and into mommy's type of dementia. He had her ECG done in a couple of minutes and said, no, quetiapine is the issue. So, um, Mam ended up staying in hospital for five weeks then, and we were then introduced to a team called the Later Life Team, who look after. Um, uh, they're like an all-encompassing um, older person service. So, um, Mammy was assigned to the Later Life Team, and there would be an OT. There would be a nurse doing a house call every couple of weeks. She had a psychiatrist. Um, everything you can think of, a full support system, and they were just amazing. They um, went through an awful lot of stuff with us, spoke to us about different types of medication, and they made a huge effort to trial everything that was available uh, that would suit Mammy's type of dementia. Um, And they did sterling work. Just amazing. And what I found really great was they, they really focused on the whole family as care providers as well that you're not just taking care of the patients it was making sure we were coping we were okay uh sending us in the right direction when we needed support or we needed information on things they were so so good um i don't know how we hadn't heard of them for that we were trying to cope for a long time um without that support system and then when we got it it was like a weight was lifted it was just the best thing ever do you think people haven't heard about it? Yeah, do you think people don't know about those services? I think so. Like we have done, you know, your standard get on the internet, start Googling. We have done that and we found out about a great thing. It's a memory cafe. Um, so it's people with dementia, they meet up, they have a bun, a cup of coffee, a catch up. They're meeting people who are in the same boat as them. And then the carers also go into another room and they can have a vent, have a chat, have a laugh, whatever. Um, and it was just a brilliant group. Um, different weeks then they'd have like a smaller group of six people. Mammy really enjoyed that. So like they talk about their childhood one week and um, yeah, no, it was fantastic. But when Mammy was no longer a candidate for that, we didn't know where to go. We didn't realise that there was the later life service. So Why? we did link up with them. Why wouldn't, she, why wouldn't she have been a candidate for it? So I suppose because her dementia was progressing a bit okay. and mommy was finding it hard because I suppose with all the hallucinations, hallucinations as well, what she found hard was when you'd be in a group and people would be chatting 
but she'd have all these other hallucinations going on in the background. Um, I suppose it was too hard for her to focus and to try and pick out what's really happening, what's not, um, and to kind of get in on conversations and stuff. So, yeah, she just kind of naturally came to a conclusion, <clears throat> excuse me, a conclusion um, with the Memory Cafe. So take me back to later life. Yeah, later life. Yeah, later. So we got to meet Dr. Aoife, who uh, would be looking after Mammy. Um, she is just so knowledgeable on all things. Um, but with a kindness. When we met her, we just felt at ease straight away. Do you know one of these people that really gets you and really genuinely cares about your situation and trying to improve it? Um, so Dr. Aoife offered us support. She told us that when mom would be discharged, that um, she would have a nurse from the later life team who would call every couple of weeks, check in, keep an eye on the medication, see what's working, what's not working, um, see how dad is doing, if he needs any help. Um, they gave us information about um, home help and stuff like that. Um, and they were brilliant. So they tried mom on a couple of different tablets um, at home initially. And uh, some would work kind of for a short time. She needed some help with sleeping and um, kind of anxiety as well. So, you know, the, they prescribed stuff. They tried different bits and bobs and um, everything. It was great because I felt they really exhausted all avenues in trying to improve her life as best they could. Um, but generally, mommy was kind of better without medication. Um, yeah. She was more at ease. Um, so yeah, but they like they tried all options and just after Christmas, Mam went in to try a final one. It had to be trialed in hospital. So Mam was to be admitted to the psychiatric unit. And even that's something, you know, you have you know, you may have a bit of a, a stigma about the psychiatric unit in a hospital. I think over the years they've gotten a kind of a bad rep or you know, people would be a bit uncomfortable. They, they wouldn't tell you that they, I've, I've been in psychiatric units, but it was amazing to see what work they did in there and that they would cater to somebody like Mammy who needed, she didn't just need medical care, she also needed kind of, oh, can't find the word, Rebecca. Um, kindness. Yeah, and- yeah, she needed kindness and she needed to be monitored, um, minded, yeah, and handled nicely if you get me you know mammy is throughout her dementia has been in great form um and will happily interact with the carers that she meets and she never has a problem you know with a change of setting or a change of um change of staff or anything like that that never really thrown her um and i think a lot of that is because the environment in the psychiatric unit was just so welcoming it was safe um the carers are just oh it's like they're so good i definitely got the feeling that when mammy was there she was in safe hands they were treating her like one of her own it was as good a care as we would have been able to give her if not better because we don't have that medical background um so yes yeah, so she went in just after christmas for a trial of the medication it had to be done in the psychiatric unit because they needed to monitor her heart to make sure she wouldn't have the same reaction um, as she had had with quetiapine. And um, yeah, so initially mum was okay. She was in for four weeks. They decided quick enough, no, this wasn't going to be an option. And mum came home to us on the 28th, sorry, 23rd of January. 
and she was at home for four days this time. We had four days with no sleep. Mammy was, again, manic, delirious, couldn't settle. Her colouring in her face was terrible. She'd gone so pale. Um, her balance was way off. She was shuffling. And, um, yeah, we had, we had to ring and ask them to readmit Mammy. Um, on the Wednesday evening, she had been fairly okay. She'd been joining, joining in with conversations. Her sleep had been hit and miss for the couple of days. But... Um, you know, she was part of conversations. She was taking part in home life. And then on Thursday morning, it was like a switch had flipped. She was completely a different woman. Um, she wasn't conscious of who was around her. She wouldn't have known uh, the door from the kettle. Like nothing was clicking with her. Nothing was making sense. Um, she wasn't recognizing us. Um, she thought we were all her sister, Angela. And um, yeah, it was scary. It was really scary because up until that point, Mammy's progression had been so slow. I always just presumed it would continue that way. So we were really scared. We thought, oh God, is there something really wrong going on? Maybe with her heart, with her bowels, what's something not right here? So um, her later life nurse had been out that morning, uh, Lisa, and she'd been so good with Mammy. She got her into bed. She tried to kind of um, explain to us about getting a sleep routine in place, you know, from six o'clock, you start winding down and no phone calls after eight o'clock, getting her ready to go off to bed at nine, settled and calm. And Lisa just had a lovely way about her. Like she um, settled mom and put her at ease. And she came out and she had a chat with us and she said, do you think your mom needs to go back in? We said, no, look, we'll, we'll manage. We'll do it between us. We'll manage. It'll be okay. You know, whatever this is, it'll pass in a day or two. And like Rebecca, literally two hours later, I had to ring Lisa and ask, can we please have a bed for mommy? We cannot do this. It just, our dementia went off the wall. And at that stage, we weren't really thinking it was her dementia. We were still blaming everything else. <clears throat> but, um, Excuse me. We had a conversation then a couple of weeks ago with mom's psychiatrist and she looked for a family meeting and she said, no, she said with your mom's type of dementia, she said she's only seen it a handful of times, but sometimes a part of the brain just dies. And rapidly mom's dementia had went from being moderate to being severe. And that was it. There's no coming back. Because throughout the rest of Mammy's progression, you know, she'd take two steps forward in progression and then she'd come back a step. So we were kind of, there was many good days as well as bad days. It wasn't all, um, you couldn't be sure that tomorrow would be a worse day than today. It might be a better day. Um, but to be all of a sudden overnight, Mam's dementia had taken a nosedive. It was just so hard to believe. This is where we are now. We were still getting the house ready for mum to come home. We'd bought fire guards. We'd bought a medicine cabinet with a lock. We'd done loads of bits and bobs around mum and dad's house to get it ready so that mummy could wander as she liked around the house. She would have a safe a path for pottering around. There was no danger she could come to. Like, I mean, when I say a switch flipped, she went from... Wednesday night, having dinner, having seconds, being in the middle of a conversation to Thursday morning, trying to set a fire in the sink in the kitchen. Like just completely off the wall. 
um, she'd start a sentence and finish it with a different one, really had no idea of who was around her or where she was. It was just devastating. Like, um, And it took probably the last two weeks to get our heads around it. Um, you're still, not that I doubt the medical professionals because they have been amazing, but you just don't want to believe it. Like there's my mom. She's the kindest, sweetest person. And to think that oh, I'm at that age, I should be bringing her off and spoiling her, treating her on nights away. And I won't have that. It's just heartbreaking. Um, she's always been so loving and caring. And I really try my best to be gentle with mom. And, um, you know, I ring her every day and some days are good. They're better than others. Other days, um, she's too busy to talk. Mom, I think at the minute, reckons she's running some business or something because she's always on the go and um, she's too busy and she can't chat right now or whatever. But um, a good day is a blessing. Um, we've had great conversations lately. I rang her on Mother's Day. She knew who, who I was. Because for a while lately, she's thought I was Anne every time we've spoken. But she's like, Kizzy, oh, it's great to hear from you. And I said, it's Mother's Day. And she was delighted. Oh, that's great. Oh, there'll be a bit of a fuss. And um, we just had a lovely conversation. But most importantly, at the end of the call, she told me she loved me. And I hadn't heard that in two months since mom went in after Christmas. And it was just, it was like winning the lotto. Um it's those little things like that you're kind of you're grieving a part of the person while they're still there too. and you're seeing them change and like mommy has always been so outgoing and so active um and now she's not you know she she'll sit and watch telly she'll have her her dinners or whatever and she will interact with the people who are caring for for her um she shows them a lot of love and a lot of kindness like Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I love that throughout her dementia, the best parts of mommy's personality have always risen to the top. Um, she moved to a new ward last week. So at the minute she's quarantining. But I was telling the nurse, you just wait until she gets out on the main wards. She will be making friends everywhere she goes. Um, and that's just her. Yeah. Um, I'm glad because I know there can be some devastating side effects with dementia, like paranoia and aggression and things like that. And we've been so blessed. We've not really had any of that. Um, but it's sad. It is so sad. Um, see somebody you've looked up to, somebody who's been your confidant, your friend, um, that hug that you go for when there's something wrong or when it's the first phone call you make when you have good news. Um, and I don't have that, but she's still here, but I don't have that. Mm. So yeah, I'm grieving a lot of little things on and off. But then you get a day like that when you have a good phone call and it's you're on cloud nine. Like the littlest things now seem like the biggest wins. How's your dad? He's okay. We've had to have a lot of serious conversations lately and it's been a lot for him to take in. I said earlier, like in my 35 years, I have never heard more than a crossword between the two of them. And he's a funny thing like daddy is quiet enough but um he was always mad about mommy he'd be trying to catch her hand and um mommy was never one for big like pdas so she'd be like slapping him away you know whatever but um he misses the closeness he misses the company they just retired um coming up to two years ago so you know a month ago he thought they would have more years to enjoy that they would be at home together for longer. And now in like a blink of an eye, that's just gone. So we're minding them. We're taking turns. My sister that lives um, behind mom and dad's, she uh, cooks from five nights a week. And then um, I have a brother in Belgium at the minute. Um, He's working away. He's been living away for the last few years. But the other four of us take a weekend each a month. And um, like I camp out, I move in for the weekend, cook from, clean from, you know, we make sure that the house is OK, but also that he has a bit of company. For as long as I can remember with daddy, if something was wrong, he would take to the bed. One of us came home pregnant. Daddy's in bed for three days. Somebody's getting divorced. Daddy's in bed for three days. Something goes wrong. That's what, how daddy copes. And like, I'm not trivializing any of, any of the issues or whatever, but it's his way of coping. So he'll go to bed and he'll mull it over. And like, he does get sick with worry. So then once he's had his couple of days in bed, he'll get up and he'll be able to deal with things and able to talk about them. And um, yeah, it's his coping mechanism. We all cope differently, but yeah, that's definitely his. And it works for him. So when dad, when mom was um, assigned a later life nurse, they also assigned one for daddy. 
her name is Lisa and um, she is a treasure. She comes out to daddy still every week, checks on him, makes sure he's makes sure he's okay, that he's coping okay with everything in the last few weeks. Um, and ensuring that he's getting out for a walk, that he's eating okay, that he's sleeping okay. Um, it's really a holistic approach nearly. You know, he she's so conscious of making sure that he's all right because he's had so much to go up and deal with and to come to terms with in the last few weeks. And um, at the minute, we're trying to get him out of the house a bit as well and, you know, go for walks and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's good for him if he has a break, a breath of fresh air. Um, and he can he can kind of process things a bit then himself as well. Been tough. Um, it's always been a learning curve with mom's dementia anyway. You're learning how to react to things, how to communicate better. Um, but oh yeah, this just came out of the blue. So it's been a tougher pill to swallow, definitely. Um, yeah, he's sad in himself as well. But, you know, what we can do is be there and um, try and keep the best side out. And Yeah. My auntie, my auntie Anne said in her, um, in her podcast when she was talking about Dermot, that the hardest decision was to put him in a home. But in a way that decision has, was taken away from you in the sense that you had to go there. You had to for her own protection. Oh yeah, completely. We would not be able to manage. Mommy for years had always said that her biggest dread in life would be that she would get dementia. No, and it doesn't run in the family or anything. But that was one thing that she was terrified of. Um, yeah, so of course she winds up with it. Um, but she had made us promise that she would not go to home. I know she had seen her own grandmother live to be 96 and was in a nursing home that wasn't good. And she just wasn't like, her granny Gibbs was a lady and she deserved the best treatment. Um, and I know that really, really upset mom that she didn't get sufficient kindness and care. Um, so mommy would have had a bit of a fear of nursing homes. Um, so we did promise her, you know, not on our time, you won't be going into a nursing home. But Rebecca, you have to draw the line in the sand. We can only provide love and care. We can't provide the medical side of things. And um, there's not enough of us. They would have needed to have maybe another 10 kids for there to be enough of us to provide round the clock care as well. Um, we just can't do it. And it's sad. You know, you kind of struggle a bit with defeat as well. Um, but I think seeing what we've had, well, what we have seen of mommy's dementia and what it's like when it's severe, I think we all quickly realise that something's out of your hands. Um and I would much rather her be somewhere like she is right now, where she's content and happy. She doesn't pine for home. Um, I suppose we were afraid that she might feel like she was abandoned as well. And with COVID, because we can't get in to see her, um, you have that little fear in the back of your head. But every interaction we've had with Mammy since she's gone into hospital or residential care um, since the end of, of December, she's been content and we know she's getting the best of care and um, you can hear it in her voice that she's happy where she is. So I'm glad that we, we have that as well. It, it's kind of, um, it's a comfort for us, I suppose, that it's not a worry that we have. She's happy where she is. 
And how do you deal with days where you do feel defeatist? Oh, I've had a couple of duvet days. I suppose that is one of the good things about um, COVID and, and not working as much as I would have beforehand. Um, I can allow myself that little bit of time as well. Um, yeah, there's days and you just fall from one one end of the day to the next. But uh, you have to dust it off as well. And I suppose we still have a focus. Like we still have to do things for dad and be organized for him and take care of him. Um you know, it's not a job. You do it. You do it without even thinking. I, I look at my mom and dad, and um, I think it's our time now to be able to look after them and repay them even a little of what they've done for us throughout our lives. So I gladly, gladly would take care of. I gladly would have taken care of Mammy forever if we were able to. But same goes for Dad. You no, know, gladly, hands on my heart. Um, I'd, I'd be there in a heartbeat no matter what he wants or needs, you know, and I'm glad I'm able to repay that to him as well. That I'm, I'm able to be that support to him. What about your sisters? Do they have days? Do you pick each other up? Yeah, definitely. We seem to go in rotation and the boys as well. Like, you know, one of us will have a bad day and the other will even it out and be good. Um, and, you know, you, you always have that shoulder to cry on, but as well as that you have somebody to um, discuss all the abstract thoughts that are running through your head like a couple of weeks ago we were in denial and I'm saying to my sister do you think this couldn't be real like that this couldn't be possible and how is this happening as it is and it was like such a relief to hear that she had some of the same thoughts running through her head and you know you chat them out and what kind of thoughts are they are they that this is not happening. Oh, like, yeah, that this, this is not happening. And um, there has to be something else wrong with her that's causing this. Maybe she had another mini stroke or maybe she had a full stroke or something. And then, like, we can't see her. She's in hospital. So, you know yourself, when you see somebody in the flesh, it's very hard to go in somebody else's word. And, like, I must say the hospital have been amazing. I've rung every day, twice a day. I was... um. Uh, the designated caller um, my dad has quite bad hearing so he asked me to ring so I could relay all the, the information for him and for the rest of the lads as well um, so I'd ring every morning and afternoon and um, you know they're great for updates to tell you exactly how mammy is how she's feeling if she was a bit tearful or you know if she'd eaten well or slept well or whatever Um so they were really good for updating us. But you know, when you can't physically see somebody, you can't take anybody at their word. So it's very easy to doubt um, what's really going on. And I suppose it's just very hard to, to come to terms with that. Well, this is it. There's no more tablets to try. There's no coming back from this. This isn't going to get better. It's only going to get worse. And I knew from the get-go dementia was a terminal illness, but... Now we're getting closer to an end stage. I'm kind of nearly being more of an ostrich. I, I want to stick my head in the sand a lot more. I want to ignore, you know, some of the stuff that's going on or you don't really want to believe it. Um, I dealt much better with that stuff in the start. I suppose we had a focus. We were doing things for mom and dad. We were getting things ready for them. We were changing bits with the house. You were organizing 
you know, the trip to the solicitor to speak about um, living will or um, things like that, you know, getting everything in order um, so that there would be no stress later on in this whole process. Um, but now we don't have so much of a focus. So I suppose it's harder to let these little thoughts creep in. Um, Are you looking for a glimmer of hope? Sorry. Are you looking for a glimmer oh, yeah. of hope? Yeah, definitely. You're definitely looking for a glimmer of hope. And uh, it's not her, like, you know, yeah, I suppose out of greed, you'd want to keep your parents forever. You never want to let them go, whether it's sudden or whether it's a longer illness. But um, I just wish things could be different. And you're always kind of looking for a miracle or whatever, but with dementia, there's no. There's no miracle, there's no fix, there's no cure. And uh, yeah, that has been hard to reconcile. Definitely. And what do you, how do you explain it to the babies in the, the grand babies in the house? Where's Nanny? Oh, um, you know what? The younger ones are kind of, they're kind of okay with it. Nanny's in hospital and, and that's all right. Um, my kids are 12 and 15, so they have a better understanding they lost their aunt uh, six months ago. They lost their granddad in 2014. So they have had a bit of um, of loss and grief already. Um, it meant I could explain things, I suppose, a bit better because they have a better understanding and they're of an age where they can kind of process it a bit better. Um, it's been difficult. Uh, when Gemma was born, I lived at home with mom and dad and... I was only 19 when Gemma was born. So like she was doted on um, until I moved out and myself and Shane finally got her stuff together and rented um, and became real adults. But um, Gemma and Mammy had this amazing bond. Like they would be baking. Um, Mammy would be telling her stories. She was always on sleepovers in mom and dad's even years later. Like, but um just so close to thick as thieves and I'm conscious that Gemma is losing probably one of the most special connections in her life um it's tough she's a bit hesitant at the minute um she went up she stayed with them for three weeks in the start of lockdown she wanted to mind them and help with the cooking and stuff like that so she spent three weeks up there and at the time I know it made her quite sad because she could see more firsthand of um how mammy's dementia was progressing but now she looks back on it fondly because mammy has taken such a jump um with her dementia I think Gemma really appreciates the time she had up there um, a year ago and uh, it's going to be tough no matter what way you look at it that's a huge connection Um, that's hard as because I used to go to my aunt's house because my granny had dementia and I used to go to her house when I was a teenager and I still remember those days and those days are very it's a sadness you know yeah yeah, it's a it's a grief, isn't it? It definitely is. Um, I know Gemma at the minute is quite hesitant um, to speak to mom on the phone. I suppose she's afraid that maybe mommy won't know her, her name or won't recognise her voice. And she's trying to spare herself that upset. Um, but, you know, I'm 
I'm of the opinion you make hay when the sun shines. So when mommy's having a good day, I try to get everybody to say hello to her as well. Um, you have to grasp those little moments when you can, definitely. Um, James is quieter. He internalizes a lot and he's only 12 and he's a boy. So it's a different thought process for him altogether. But we've had some good chats and I'll sneak up to his room and, you know, we'll cuddle up and we'll kind of put the world to rights a bit as well. I suppose no matter how prepared you think you're going to be, I know like we'll fall asunder when the inevitable happens. Um, but yeah, I don't want to hide anything from them. I want to be quite honest with them. Um, they may not be able to see my mom at the minute, but I hope they will get to see her again. Um, you know, things are just so uncertain with, with lockdown at the minute as well. Um, and then we have to wait and try and get mom into a nursing home as well. So depending on how long all these things will take and you know there's an end point to dementia as well um the general prognosis for our life expectancy with Louis body would be about seven years we're five years in you know not time is not on our side um so i am conscious of that as well um, what is the inevitable how like what happens next with the body and if you don't mind talking about that Kizzy yeah no that's okay I've done so much reading on it I'm a mine of google information um so with the dementia eventually uh your brain stops working um it means that your organs will stop working as well so if mom didn't pass away from something sudden like a stroke or a heart attack. Her dementia will eventually progress to the stage that her lungs won't breathe, her digestion system won't work, her renal system won't work, her heart will stop working. The body just shuts down slowly over time. Um, I, the first big indicator from what I've gathered is a, a loss of appetite or, you know, as you're coming to an end stage, the person will stop eating altogether. They lose um, their swallow, isn't it? Because Paul's granddad, he yeah. lost his swallow and that was a big thing for his family, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're reverting, I suppose, back. Mammy at the minute would be like a young child in her mind frame her she's excited to hear from us um everything is upbeat um you know when you have a little toddler at home and they're excited by everything in the world it's that kind of a feeling it's it's quite similar um but yeah one day the body will just stop working and yeah what's your hopes for for your mom with, with the illness um out of a kindness to ma'am, I would hope that her dementia journey will not be a long one. Um, so I would hope, um, I do in my heart, I think she knows how much she's loved. I would hope that would continue. Um, I hope that the contentness that she feels at the minute will continue as well, that she will never have a day of fear or nasty hallucinations or paranoia. Nobody survives life unscathed, but I'm hoping she avoids some of the nastier side effects or nastier symptoms of dementia. Um, It's not a good illness, but all you can do is hope for the best. And she deserves it. She so deserves she definitely does not deserve dementia. Um, 
it's been a, a tough card to be dealt. Mammy's always been so good and kind and given of herself and given of her time. Um, it doesn't seem fair. And often, I've said to my sisters, often I get a sense of unfairness. Like, why my mom? She's so good. <laughs> and I know that's like, it's such a childish thought to have. But when you boil down your emotions, it just feels so unfair. Do you believe in God, Kizzy? Sometimes, Rebecca. Sometimes. Um, I've had this chat, we're coming up to kind of confirmation time in, in my house. And I've had this chat a bit lately. I find comfort from prayer. I don't find comfort from visiting graveyards. Don't always find it in mass. When the church was open, if something was wrong, I'd often go and light a candle. Um, we lost my nephew um, coming up to two years ago. And um, that was the first place I went. And I just, they have a lovely little kind of an alcove where you can light candles in our, our local abbey. And I just felt so calm. I went there and I prayed for him um, and lit a candle. And yeah, I, I did feel calmer. Um, I'm not a regular mass attender, but I do find comfort in saying prayers at times. Um, you know, if you have something coming up, I'll say a quick Hail Mary or something. Um, we would have been brought to Mass every Sunday um, uh, until my parents got older. And then uh, they weren't as bothered getting up for 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Um, religion would have always been in our life in some way, but it, there was no uh, strictness to it. You know, it, it, I think my mom and dad would be quite um, easy going in that regard. Your faith is your own. Um well, she definitely would deserve the best seat up in heaven if it is there. Um, I'm sure her brother is up there keeping it warm for her. But um, yeah, sometimes I do. And I, I think my mom did. So for her, I would love if there was a heaven and that she'd be reunited with all of her loved ones. Um yeah, I, I think it's something I will be finding more comfort in as well um, for the darker days. Definitely. And I think out of respect as well, you know, my mom would have had her own questions about religion over the years. And she went back to college and did a theology night course um, because she had questions and she really disagreed with like how women had to be churched after having a baby and um, how badly women were, were treated at times by um the Catholic religion, but um, I think she would deserve a respectful funeral, and um, and I think it's a huge sign of respect to to sit there and pray for somebody. You're praying that they, you know, are at peace. And um, yeah, I do. I I would actually put quite a lot of onus and um, quite a lot of weight on prayer and the whole tradition of a funeral I think it's very important sign of respect and you're giving the person the dignity they deserve as well So what happens next now for your mom? so she's in the hospital and then you now have to start looking for a home is it? Yeah so um, we had the chat with my dad a couple of weeks ago about nursing homes and straight away he said St Columbus and Thomastown it's where his mom um, was looked after for her last few years and the care was amazing. Um, 
and it's so close to home. It's a couple of minutes from home. So I think he would love to have her that close. But there's a waiting list like in any nursing home. Um, so, you know, it, it's dependent on that. At the minute, she's just been moved to a different hospital. It's still part of our, our local um general hospital um but it's a dementia exclusive ward so she has about another week's quarantine left there until she goes back onto a full standard ward and uh, everybody there has dementia um so she can potter around she can make friends it sounds really amazing they have a full schedule of activities all day long um so there will be something that interests her and mommy loves chatting and she loves um socializing so yeah i think this is going to be good for her it's um and and that's available until mom's place comes up so she will be there until we have a place for her in the nursing home um and we only hear good things so um we've spoken to you know other people who've had relatives who've been there and um it's reassuring that everybody has um, a good outlook on, on it and that everybody has um, a good report you know of how well their their loved ones were treated and um, it makes it less hard we're not able to care for her but she's getting the best possible care and Kizzy can I ask so, you with yeah. Alzheimer's week this week do you get involved in that yeah um, so a couple of years ago we raised a thousand euros running for um, the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland um, myself and my sister did 36 kilometres over a weekend um, so yeah I suppose in the last year and a bit we've been more so running after cake than out running on the road <laughs> um, there's been no running or no fundraising but I think it's so important um, to, especially for awareness for families to let them know if there's a local uh, a group in your county like the Leisure Life team it's such an amazing thing I would hate to think that people don't know about it um, I think it's so important to get word out there that there are those supports there and um, these people will guide you they'll hold your hand through everything and it's not just the patients they're there to make sure mentally emotionally physically you're doing okay because they understand you can't stay caring for somebody if you're running on empty you'll burn out um and like they've been such a mine of information as well they've put us in the right direction so many times they've told us where to look for information about mommy's disease um how to go about applying for a nursing home place all of that stuff um and nothing's ever a bother you know if you have a question it's never such a thing as a silly question they're always there and they're on call um to help so like if uh my, if my mom's later in life nurse was out we'd often give her a text and see you know how did you find her today and they're honest they're open they're approachable it's so important to know that there is that support out there and I don't think a lot of people know is it a nationwide um, scheme that's something I had meant to look into more before um I spoke to you, but I know it's running in Kilkenny anyway. Um, so I assume it is running in other counties um, as well. Uh, I found uh, the Alzheimer's and Dementia Facebook uh, support group really good as well for information. Um, and I see other people talking of similar services around Dublin as well. So like I would presume the later life team, it might go by a different name in a different county, but that those supports are there for everybody. 
Um, word of mouth is great though. Um, I've spoken to two different girls lately whose parents have had who have had a parent with a, a diagnosis, and I was able to pass on information. And it's knowing that somebody else is in your shoes as well, not that you would ever wish it on anybody. But they now know if they're having a bad day, I'm only like a text away. Any questions that they have, if I can help, I'm so keen to help because I like I feel that this information is so important to be shared. If it stops somebody from having a bad day or if it helps them get information that they need or get support that they need. Yeah, it's an important thing. We have to look out for one another. And with COVID as well, I suppose people are more aware of being empathetic and we're all in a bad situation. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think it's important to, to be able to reach out to people as well and say, look, I heard about this. It might help you. Um, here's the number, here's the information and yeah, give them somewhere to go. You definitely feel like you're swimming against the river and you're out on your own. Definitely. Yeah. That's definitely. tough. That's sad. It is. It's tough, like, because you feel a bit lost at times, I suppose, that you don't know what's next. You're kind of with dementia. It's such a, it's so hard to tell how it's going to progress as well. You can never kind of forecast the run of somebody's progression so you're trying to kind of be as informed on so many different different on so many different um scenarios that may or may not happen Kizzy what advice would you give someone who has a worry or is seeing little things in their parents or loved one Definitely talk to other people within the family, you know, somebody who who knows your loved one or who, who would be around them enough and, you know, kind of compare notes a little bit. See if anybody else has picked up an anthem. Um, definitely talk to the GP because um, they'll set you on the right track. They, with mum's GP, she kind of assessed mum when she was in the next time in, in front of her for whatever um, appointment. And she decided herself then yeah yeah okay we'll we'll do some of the kinds of initial inquiry testing um and see if we're all on the same page see if, if there is a query for dementia um so gp is brilliant there's loads of support groups out there facebook um has loads of different uh dementia and alzheimer's groups where you can um you can ask questions and any worries or anything that you have. People are brilliant. They'll they'll tell you what their findings are, what their um, what they've kind of gone through as well with their own loved one. Um, but definitely, if there is a later life team, if um, you do have a, a loved one with dementia or Alzheimer's, um, definitely look for that support team in your area and. Um, yeah, it, it will be the best thing you ever do because it's immeasurable, the help that they give. And Kizzy, I just, you know, it's so hard listening to your story. I just don't even know where I'd even begin with it because you just have been robbed. You've been robbed of your, your poor mammy, like, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And you're, 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 For sure. even your dad, like your poor daddy. 
it's hard and I didn't know you were going through this until we um, had a conversation and I was got an opportunity to ask you how you were because I think in this Mm. pandemic we haven't really we haven't spoken people haven't spoken so I'm I know you don't want pity and I know but I'm just so Mm. sorry you're going through this and I'll put your mommy in my prayers and your daddy in my prayers because I am a firm believer in the power of prayer as well um and I'm I'm just thinking of you so much I really am thanks so much Rebecca um it means a lot, like, and I know people say, I wish I could do something or yeah, I don't know what to say or I'm sorry or whatever, but like hearing that, knowing that somebody genuinely feels for you, that's, that in itself is, oh, it's heartwarming. It does lift you up, definitely. Um, yeah, and I think as well, it, it's important to talk about it. It's important to be open about it as well. It is a struggle and it is tough. And there's some days that I don't want to get up out of bed and face the world because it's just so unfair. But I also thought it's important to talk about. I didn't know, thank God, did not know anything about dementia until it landed at my door. And yeah, I I think it's important to be open about it, start a conversation on it. It's not something I thought I'd have to deal with in my 30s. But here we are, so you know it. It's better out than in. Mm. It's definitely better to speak about. And Kizzy, can I ask you how Shane is? How is he? He's great. He's been so good. Like he is mad about my mum. They have a really great connection. Um, he's upset. Like Shane has always been so easy going and. Oh, just he's like my mom. He's a gallery. He'll always not crack out, and that was his and my mom's relationship as well. Um, he'd be telling her jokes, and they'd be inappropriate. She'd be trying not to laugh, but she'd be busting herself. And they were always having the crack and always having a laugh. Um, yeah, no, he's he's a good support. He knows when to leave me alone. He knows when to throw an arm around me. He knows when to ask me if I'm okay he listens to me on the bad days the good days everything I'd be lost without him I couldn't cope without him and he has been so good for the last couple of years when I couldn't deal with Anton in our house when my focus needed to be my mum I could drop everything and I knew the kids were fed they were clean they were attending school they were washed everything was like perfectly taken care of and to not have to worry about that I don't know how people juggle like I'm just I am so lucky I have shame I appreciate him so much I always did anyway but he has just been a superstar the last few years you're very lucky to have him definitely definitely we won't tell him we said that though hey you're so good to sit down with me and I say that to everyone but like you really are so good especially with the week that's in it um just to raise awareness and just to help and I know this um episode will help a lot of people and as you said at the top of this there's so many different types how many types of dementias is did you say I think now what we heard five years ago was there's about 70 different types um, talking to my neighbour who was a nurse 
years and years ago, there was maybe two or three different types. So I suppose, you know, as, as medicine is advancing and stuff, they're finding out more about it. Um, but yeah, about 70 different types. Um, you have the ones that are caused by strokes, which are like your vascular dementia and stuff like that. But mom's type is Louie body. Um, it's plaques start to build up on your brain and stop it from functioning properly. Um, so I suppose like the way an artery would get clogged or a vein, it's same kind of thing going on in the brain. So it shuts down different thought processes and different capabilities then bit by bit. It's a horrible, cruel disease, isn't it? So cruel. Um, it's just that the person is being robbed, like robbed of different bits of their life every day. And um, you never know what's going to go next. And I just hope that she gets, as you said, that she's content. She's, there's no fear, you yeah. know, and I, I just hope that continues for the rest of her, her life. Um, and I just, as I said, I'll just keep you in my prayers, honey. That's all I can do for you. It's just, Thanks so much, and, Rebecca. you know, I'm here Thank for you, you anytime, anytime. I know I'm in Dublin, but you know, I, <laughs> I just can't wait to be able to get into the car and drive down she's, and just put my arm around you and all the I girls, know. you know, because I miss you all so much. I know. A bit of normality will be lovely, won't it? It will be. It will yeah. be. Kizzy, thank you so much for sitting with me um, tonight. Um, I know that it's not an easy subject for you to talk about, but I'm sure that this episode, as I said, will help a lot of people. Thanks a million, Kizzy. So. Thanks, Rebecca. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.